Turn in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 13. For the minutes that remain, we're going to look at one last parable. We conclude our parable series today. We've been walking through the Gospel of Matthew. We got all the way to Matthew chapter 13. And here in Matthew chapter 13, um, seven parables. Seven parables. Parable about soils, parable about good seeds that was sowed among weeds, a parable of a mustard seed even, parable about leaven in flour, a parable about a hidden treasure and a pearl of great price. All of these were told to illustrate notions about the kingdom of God. And today, Jesus is going to take up fishing. How many of you are fishermen, fisherwomen? Anybody? Let's see your hands. There's got to be some in here. Okay, just a few, afraid to admit it. Maybe they're fishing this morning. Maybe, that's, maybe they're not here, right? <laughs> There's no rain. I'm going fishing, uh, that kind of thing. Well, he's going to talk about fishing. He's going to talk about a fishing net to illustrate the kingdom of God. So look down in verse 47 of Matthew chapter 13. We're going to, be here by, we're going to begin by talking about aspects of the kingdom that he is going to illustrate. And the first thing is this. He's going to talk about a kingdom process, the kingdom process beginning in verse 47. He said this again. Now, why is he saying again? Because he had just told several parables. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a net that was thrown into the sea and gathered fish of every kind. Okay, so what is he talking about here? Obviously, there's some action going on. And that is being thrown into the sea. There's an active process. He's saying the kingdom of God is about casting and drawing. The sea represents humanity. The sea of humanity, the needs in the world. And the net here that Jesus is describing is really a different kind of net. It's not the small net that one fisherman would use. It's a big net that several fishermen would use. It's called a seine net. Maybe you're familiar with it. Or a drag net. It's very large. Let me show you a picture of what a modern-day seine net would look like. Now, in the first century, what they would do is they would attach one end of the net to the shore in some way, maybe with somebody there, and then they would attach the other end to a boat. And that boat would go from one shore to the next, sweeping through the sea with that net. And, of course, catching all kinds of fish. This is what Jesus says, gathering every kind of fish. So this is what Jesus is talking about as far as the church and our responsibility. It's about the casting of the gospel. And and it's been a process that's been going on for centuries. It's been the process that the church has been involved in. The sweeping invitation into the kingdom of God and the gathering of those who hear the gospel And they hear, those who hear are those of every kind, fish of every kind, Jesus is saying. So the net is wide. The net is indiscriminate. The ideal here is that the kingdom of God is for everyone. Our job is not to determine who is eligible. Our job instead is to cast the net. All are invited into the kingdom. Secondly, not only is he talking about the kingdom process, he's talking about the kingdom stakes. Verses 48 through 50. What is at stake? Jesus says this, When it was full, when the net was full, men drew it ashore and sat down and sorted the good into containers but threw away the bad. So it will be, there's that phrase again, at the end of the age. The angels will come out and separate the evil from the righteous and throw them into the fiery furnace. And in that place, there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. 
Now, a couple of weeks ago, we talked about this because this is a repeat phrase. Jesus will often use opportunities, sometimes even parenthetically, to remind people that there is eternity at stake, to remind people that there is a harvest coming, remember? To remind people that there is a judgment that is to come in this world. He says it's going to take place at the end of the age. And the second coming of Christ is going to launch the initiation of a series of events that will ultimately end in the banishment and punishment of evil. We've just said it. God is a God of justice. And we, we look at this world and we see such darkness and evil. God is going to punish that one day. But there are shades of evil that are included here. We have to understand this. Jesus is warning these unbelieving Jews. And in truth, Jesus is warning all who would reject him as the Messiah. And he would say to them and remind them, listen, eternity is at stake. And that what you do with Christ in this life will matter in the life to come. Heaven and hell. Listen, are real places of eternal existence. I've heard preachers preach about hell like they were happy that people were going there. It it is a real place of eternal existence, and Jesus is trying to warn people about it. What they do with Christ is going to determine eternity. And so these are the stakes. The stakes are eternal. The casting of the net is so important because the stakes are eternal. Then the final thing which is why this last part is so important because of these eternal stakes. He talks about the kingdom responsibility. Look in verses 51 and 52. Have you understood these things? Jesus said to the disciples that were there listening to all these parables. Have you understood these things? And boy, I tell you, their answer is really important. They reply quickly and instantly. Yes, they said to him. And he said to them, okay. Therefore, every scribe who has been trained for the kingdom of heaven is like a master of a house who brings out his treasure, what is new and what is old. Have you understood these things? Yes, we have. Therefore, every scribe, Jesus is saying, because you've understood these things, you are in essence a scribe for the kingdom of God. Now, what is a scribe? Well, a scribe was an educated Jew, a very well-educated Jew a man who would study the Old Testament law, who would transcribe it, who would write commentaries about the Old Testament. And in fact, whenever there was a dispute of some kind and an interpretation was needed, the scribe would be the one who would settle it and would give an interpretation of the law. There was no one more well-versed, no one more educated on the law than a scribe. And Jesus this to the disciples. He's saying it really to all of us who understand about the kingdom. He's saying this, those of you who are uh, understanding of the kingdom of God are those who are educated in it and are therefore those who have a responsibility to share it. That's what he's saying. You've understood, you've heard, and now you have a responsibility. Well, what is that responsibility? He goes on, he gives a simile. Those of you who are scribes for the kingdom are like, you're like a, a master of a household who brings out his treasure, what is old and what is new, who brings out old and new treasures. So just as a wealthy homeowner or a wealthy landowner will bring out treasures to his guest, 
whatever they may be, both old and new, those who are trained in the kingdom of God are to present treasures as well to the world. Treasures both old and new. It's interesting that Jesus would say old and new. Why? Here's the idea. He's saying the gospel includes, in fact, the gospel is really built upon the foundation of God's redemptive story from the beginning. Immediately after the fall of man, God's redemptive drama kicked into process. And at that time, from the beginning, there were eternal laws of righteousness contained in the Hebrew Scripture. There are the heart of God reflected in the Old Testament law. Remember, Jesus said, uh, I've not come to abolish the law, but to fulfill it. The heart of God there, the stories of the faith of the Old Testament saints. Remember, Hebrews 11 outlines all these saints of the Old Testament, the predictions of the prophets, the treasures of the predictions of the prophets, the unfolding story of the history of Israel. The Old Testament is the foundation that reveals God's intention In fact, if you look in the book of Acts, you'll see that the apostles did exactly what Jesus is saying here. When they shared the gospel of Christ there in the first century, they would refer to the treasures of the Old Testament, the old treasures, the prophecies, the teachings of the Old Testament, and they would bring those into the story of the sharing of the gospel with men and women. Those were the old treasures, but Jesus is saying they will also present the new, the new treasures. What Jesus said and what he did. The new treasure of his miracles. The new treasure of his incarnation. The new treasure of his teaching, his crucifixion, and his victorious resurrection. All these would comprise the old and new treasures contained in the gospel. And that's what we present. So Jesus said that those who know are those who are responsible. Those who know are those who have a work to do, a kingdom work. This is their work to bring out, to share, to present the the gospel treasures to others. This is their mission. This is our mission to go and to tell the story and to live the story. Remember when we began this parable series, we began a spiritual growth emphasis called Live the Story. Many of you were a part of Live the Story. And we challenge you to make room for God and to do some things differently and to incorporate faith into areas of life. And maybe you've withheld from God um, all these kinds of things. And we did a, a little exercise in worship one Sunday morning called Letter from God. How many of you got your letter from God this week? Good, good. God sent a letter to you. <laughs> And it was, it was amazing as I flipped through those, um, I was kind of looking at the addresses and names, we were stamping them, and there were people who wrote um, to my daughter and then their address on the, on the envelope, or to my son and then their address. One person wrote, wrote this, listen to me this time, and then wrote their address. <laughs> I thought that was hilarious. Uh, we had one lady in our church who wrote the letter, I don't know, it was eight, nine weeks ago. She believed this is what God was saying to her, or wanted to say to her. And between then and now, her father died. He passed away. And this week, just really a few days after the funeral, she received her letter from God. You know what it said? It said things like, 
I will hold you close. I will be here. I will never leave you. I will comfort you. Amazing thing. It's, it's really all about living the story, folks, not just hearing the story. Jesus has said, you've heard. Do you understand? Yes, you understand. Now go and do. Present the treasure of the gospel to this needy world. And it ties in perfectly with the idea of the net. Think about the net, the image of the net being cast and drawn. It's the work of the kingdom, the great redemptive drama of God as he is bringing God. He's bringing people, men and women, to saving faith. The idea is that God is about catching people. That's what matters to him. It goes to his very orientation. Remember when he called the disciples, he said, Come and follow me and I will make you, what? I will make you fishers of men. And so, our mission, because we know, because we understand, because we have received, our mission, folks, is really unambiguous. It is clear. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 28, some of his last words on this planet, he said, therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you. And behold, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. There's the phrase again. He would never, ever leave us. But we are to go. Folks, it's not a question of if we are to go. It's a question of where. That's it. God, where? And whether it's in your neighborhood, in your office, in the school where you send your kids, it's in your backyard, it's in the city, or whether it's across the globe, each and every one of us have a responsibility under Christ, and we have an accountability, to be honest with you. The stakes are high. People are in need. People need the Lord. They need the gospel. We are to go and make disciples. And we are to be the body of Christ to this needy and dying world. The kingdom is about go and tell, not come and hear. Let me read for you a story called a fish tale. A fish tale. Here's what it says. Now, it came to pass that a group existed who called themselves fishermen. And lo, there were many fish in the waters all around. In fact, the whole area was surrounded by streams and lakes filled with fish. And the fish were hungry. Week after week, month after month, and year after year, these people who called themselves fishermen met in meetings and talked about their call to fishing, the abundance of fish, and how they might best go about fishing year after year. They carefully define what fishing means. Defended fishing as a noble occupation and declared that fishing is always to be the primary task of fishermen. Continually, they searched for new and better methods of fishing and for new and better definitions of fishing. They built large, beautiful buildings called fishing headquarters. Their constant plea was that everyone should be a fisherman and that every fisherman should fish. One thing they didn't do, however, they didn't fish. In addition to meeting regularly, 
They organized a board to send out fishermen to other places where there were many fish. And all the fishermen seemed to agree that what was needed was a committee. Sounds like a good church, right? There was a committee. We need a committee, which would challenge fishermen to be faithful in their fishing. The committee was formed by those who had a great vision and courage to speak about fishing, to define fishing, and to promote the idea of fishing in faraway streams and lakes where many other fish of different colors lived. Some fishermen spent much study and travel to learn about the history of fishing and to see faraway places where the founding fathers did great fishing in the centuries past. They lauded the faithful fishermen of years before who had handed down the whole idea of fishing. One thing they didn't do. They didn't fish. Imagine how hurt some of the fishermen were that one person suggested that people who didn't catch fish weren't really fishermen at all. No matter how much they claimed to be, yet it did sound correct. Is someone really a fisherman if year after year, they never actually go and fish. No, they're not. No, how, no matter how much we talk about, no matter how great we talk about how fishing is, no matter how much we praise the God who created fishing, If we don't go, we are not obeying the clear command of Christ. It's that simple. Every believer has a calling to go. It's not a question of if, it is where. So where will you go? Sadly, this message has been lost, I think, in many churches, maybe it's one of the reasons why we see such needs in our world is the church has not fulfilled its responsibility to go in the first place. George Hunter wrote a book many years ago, and he says something in this book that I've never forgotten. He, he says that the church in America has lost its vision. The church in America has lost its mission. And he goes on to describe how churches are filled with a lot of knowledge, a lot of education, a lot of training, a lot of worship, a lot of emotion. He says the church in America has become keepers of the aquarium rather than fishers of men. May that not be true of the Brook Church, please God. May we be a church that goes and not just sends and sends money and prayers kind of in a disconnected way, but that we would be willing to go ourselves. And that we say in this one life that God has given us, in this short time frame that God has given us, that we will leverage a part of it for the sake of the kingdom of God and for those who do not know him. That I'll spend my life in some way on something else besides me, myself, and I besides the bigger house and the bigger car and the fancier clothes, that I'll do something for the sake of the kingdom. And in the process, mine will be great joy (laughs) because when I'm old and tired and worn out and I'm just limping into heaven, We'll hear God say, Mike, you messed up a whole lot. But I loved your heart. And I loved your courage. 
And you died trying. You didn't just talk. Sick of talk. You talk a lot. You didn't just talk. You did something with what I gave you. May that be our heart to go. As we go, where Jesus went, we will become as Jesus was. The body of Christ. The beautiful, beautiful body of Christ. Let's bow in prayer. I'm convinced that we experience in our lives, particularly here in America, a lack of passion for living. Um, A kind of laziness in life. And a kind of burnout with stress and pressures. Because there's nothing compelling to which we're giving ourselves for. That all all time and resources and energy are spent so selfishly and it's insatiable. It never ends. It's just all about us. And we'll hear sermon after sermon about going. And yet we'll stay. It's easy to stay. It's more comfortable to stay. It's more convenient. But Jesus said to go. And as you go and as you orient your heart toward values that God has, you'll begin to have that life and that passion. We saw in Diana just this this desire. And joy will be ours. Not happiness based upon circumstances and comforts and stuff but joy. And so, will you this morning, will you say to God, God, I'll go. I'll go to Peru. I'll go to Thailand. I'll go to the inner city of Houston. I'll go to my neighbor. I'll go to my coworker. I'll go to Willow Creek Elementary. I'll go to teenagers or children. And by your help, God, I will get outside of myself. So, Father, help us to be a going church. Help us to be a church that believes what we preach and what we teach. 
who believes the gospel truly is good news, who believes that that Christ transforms people and we would walk in an unashamed and a more bold way, that we would be willing to leverage ourselves for the sake of the gospel, for the kingdom. So that we might present our lives as faithful and that you might, through us, bring men and women and boys and girls unto yourself. Use us, Father. Spend us. Teach us what it means to have your heart, to see with your eyes, to walk with your feet, to heal with your hands, to be what you want. We thank you, praise you. For this month, for this whole month, all that we've experienced, God, and for your word today, we pray these things in Jesus' name for his sake.